This is the Recorded Conversations Podcast, the podcast dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in an authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Welcome to episode 112. Today's guest is Chris Kratzer, and he is the author of two books. The first one you may have heard of, Leatherbound Terrorism, and most recently, Stupid Shit Heard in Church, and The Truth That Will Wipe You Clean. And both of these books are available on Amazon.com. Chris is also the host of the podcast, Grace is Brave, which is available wherever you download your pod. And before I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of Chris Kratzer, I'd like to give you a little advanced warning. This conversation did not go as planned. In fact, I began in a very activated state, did my best to remain calm and responsive and present to my guest, but as you will find out towards the end of the conversation, uh, the, the dialogue took a downward turn and we found ourselves in incredible disagreement and leading to an abrupt end and then followed by controversy. And I could just as easily not publish this podcast and pretend it didn't happen. Uh, but the thing is, is I, I hold myself accountable. I'm not about to pretend I'm the most perfect host of the podcast. Sometimes I have bad days. Sometimes we have bad interviews. And sometimes we stick our feet in our mouth. And so I want to be accountable for my part of this conversation. But I also think that this highlights what's human, right? Like what is typical when we get involved in conversations that we're passionate about, especially social issues, and, and and really just the way that we define our words and our reality. And so sometimes there's a, little, there's a lot of friction and it ends up being fuckery. And even though afterwards, uh, Chris even blocked me on TikTok, even though it didn't end well, I just thought that I was going to be honest and vulnerable. And so in spite of this episode ending abruptly and angrily and emotionally I thought it highlighted you know the humanity of emotionality and I'm honest and so rather than trashing this episode or my guest I'm just I'm just gonna let you listen to the conversation and in this conversation wasn't just about controversy and contradiction a lot of it was about you know just curiosity with Christianity and different beliefs And what can happen when you start questioning what it is you believe and want to break free and transform and and adjust your lens uh, to a different reality? And so, you know, all in all, I really appreciated this conversation. Grateful for Chris joining me on the episode. Yeah, I hope you can compassionately consider the perspective of Chris Kratzer. Enjoy the episode. Right. So um, I'd just like to start out by just hearing a little bit more about you. I'm familiar with some of your work. Like I had told you, 
Um, one of my um, old friends had reviewed your book, I believe on her podcast, it was Leatherbound Terrorism. And I understand that's kind of in that um, deconstructionist Christianity type of genre. And it seems like you just released another book called uh, Stupid Shit Heard in Church and the Truth That Will Wipe You Clean. I really like the little <laughs> toilet paper roll. That was cute. Um, so, Chris, if you could just give us a little background. Who are you and what inspired you to write Leatherbound Terrorism and then your latest book, uh, Shit You Hear in Church? Yeah, so I... Um started off um, actually as an ELCA pastor. I had gone to seminary after I had a four-year degree and got my master's in divinity and kind of just grew up in a Lutheran frame. And um, about five years into that, um, for different reasons, I switched over to um, conservative Southern Baptist. Um, denomination and pastored in the evangelical circles for many, 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 many years. And, um, you know, not, I mean, it, it was, it was not too far into that, that I really started to realize that that system of faith was just not working for me and for the people that I think were really honest with themselves about you know, the faith system and everything from the beliefs to the, you know, church life, all that kind of stuff was just really breaking down in my heart and mind and um, came to a real pivotal place where some crisis happened in my life. And it just, everything kind of was a perfect storm and just kind of had a, a breakdown of sorts. And that really started the process of me really taking serious, serious steps you know, mentally and spiritually and so forth to really reevaluate um, what I really believe and what I, you know, and what had happened, you know, for me as a pastor and just all the ways that that conservative evangelical system kind of wears on you and influences you and, and what it means to be absorbed into that, that um, system of faith. So, and that took time. I mean, it wasn't like overnight. Um, and, you know, there wasn't really terms like deconstruction back then, you know, all that kind of stuff wasn't even a thing like it is now. Um, but yeah, so that the first book, Leatherbound Terrorism, really kind of just tells a little bit of that story um, and kind of gets underneath the surface as to how that happened for me and then kind of what some of the results um, were of that and what were the issues that you know, I had to really look at and, and, you know, that was back in what, 2018, I think that book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's been some time. So I'm at a different place now even, but um, yeah. So that's the first book of the stupid shit heard in church really just came out of um, I'd started doing kind of a Sunday morning post uh, almost every Sunday, you know, that basically started off with the same phrase, you know um, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, uh, here's something you probably won't hear in church. You know, um, I can't remember the exact phrase, but anyway, so those started to, you know, I started to do those and people said, hey, why don't you compile all those and put it in a book? I was like, oh, that sounds actually like a pretty good idea. So basically that book is kind of a collection of, um, you know, those, those writings, you know, kind of collected together and added some and put kind of a little bit of a narrative to them. So 
um, yeah, so that's kind of where that's at. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm curious then, you said you kind of are, you even have a kind of a different belief right now than when you started. So where are you at right now? Like fundamentally, uh, what is your position on who God is? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you know, I think um, one of the things I think when, 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 when deconstruction, I don't even like that word, um, but it's just the word that everybody's familiar with. So I kind of use it. But when that process happens, I think when honesty really is at the centerpiece of that process for people, I think that's really super healthy because that honesty is never going to go away. You know, that, that, that desire to be, I just got to be honest. And I think the more you're honest, you know, that kind of sets in motion this, this reality that you just, you know, you're just never going to really land spiritually. It's like, I'm not going to be like at this place where, okay, now I've got this figured out. I know exactly what I believe. This is where I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, like when you ask about, you know, where, you know, where am I at with God and everything, you know, if I'm honest about that, I, you know, I'm at a place right now, I really have some serious um, questions about that. And those questions are not from a foundation of like disbelief, but they're from a foundation of, you know, Hey, you know, what, what is it that really, you know, if I'm really honest about some of my misgivings and you look around and experiences and see the world and what happens in the world and just, you know, if you just kind of open your eyes a little bit, you go, Oh my God, what is this? I mean, thing of God that we've just swallowed, you know, from our various religious experiences, you know, and just kind of taking it at, Oh yeah, that's probably right. And you know, but some of that stuff is kind of breaking more so than ever, um, kind of breaking down for me. And I don't know if I can really put it into words. I think, you know, like, you know, I think of like titles for articles sometimes, you know, and like the, the most recent one is like, you know, God's an asshole, you know, because of some things, you know, that I just go, there's, there's just no other way, you know, how can, for example, a God who is all loving and powerful and these sorts of things allow some of these things that, you know, uh, to happen, you know, and when it gets close and personal, then you're at a place where you're really willing to be honest about that and have and entertain the doubts and entertain the anger that, you know, that you can have towards that. I think it just takes on a little different, different feeling in my life than those things used to. So, I don't know if any of that makes sense. Or no, not. absolutely. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing that. It explains totally where you're coming from. And so he, do you think that, so when I hear that, that question, why does God allow this? Right. And I've asked that question myself yeah. in the past. Right. I think now I'm at a place where I, because I understand the concept of free will, you know, I think it's not about God's allowance really of good or evil happening here on our planet. I think more so it's God has given us free will. And therefore that means that each individual gets to make a choice what they do. Right. And so is that something that God allows or disallows? I think, well, for my, my position, I think God can't be an interfering God, right? Because that would, that would mess with free will, whatever free will means. Right. And if free will means that I have choice, 
sometimes I can't help but wonder if that question isn't, you know, almost a scapegoat question. Like, why'd God do this? It's like, well, I I don't know. I kind of feel like that's a little blamey for me. What do you think? Like, do you think maybe it makes more sense that God's just like, well, I don't allow or disallow. I just watch and I just have to be here when you call on me and not intervene. But I don't know. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's complex because it gets very philosophical and Right. And raises all these other questions, but what say you? Um, for me, um, the allowance uh, idea, um, I mean, what kind of God sets up a system like that anyway, right? So what God, what kind of God sets up a system where um, these things even have the possibility of happening? Uh, you know, and where's the choice in the child who dies, you know, early childhood cancer, where's the choice there? Where, where, where did that child choose wrongly or where did the parents choose wrongly or where, where did, where did our choices, you know, dictate play? Uh, and what kind of God sets that kind of, you know, if God is God and this is his best idea for how to create the world, you know, God, I'm not, you know, that, calls into question things for me it's like well this is the best idea you know that we're going to create up this world and we're going to make it so there's free choice and free choice you know and if you make the wrong one then god gets to get a pass god's like oh well i set it up this way but really it's your fault because you made the choice as well no you created this this world where where there's every opportunity for suffering to happen regardless of mm. whose ultimate responsibility it is. Um, so those are the kind of things that, you know, kind of coming back to your original question, those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking through more than I did certainly, uh, you know, back when I wrote those, those books. Yeah. It sounds like you're, you're skeptical of God. I, you know, I'm willing to entertain that. I don't know where I'm, I, I don't have any, um, I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say that I've landed anywhere. I'm just, I'm just entertaining. I'm, you know, I think, you know, I think, you know, sometimes, um, you know, in order to really move forward spiritually, you have to consider things that you might not normally be willing to consider or, or things that other people might think are dirty or dark to consider. Um, I just feel like that I'm at a place where now I feel in a sense, secure enough in my spiritual thing that I'm willing to maybe look at those issues in a more open way than I had before, where I don't just kind of shut those thoughts down or shut Mm -hmm. those doubts down. I don't really shut them down and go, you know what, damn, maybe I need to explore that. And, and as I explore it, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're going to learn and you're going to tumble over yourself and you're not going to, you know, it's, it's a, you know, you kind of, kind of, you kind of come back to being a baby again, you know, and and learning, learning to, you know, walk in ways, you know, because when you deal with a new issue, you become infantile in that issue, you know, and so as a child, you know, as a child, you stumble and you're trying to find your legs and you don't know how to use your words yet and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just at a place right now where I'm, I feel like I'm more willing to do that with some issues that I'd never done that before. Yeah. And you like, know, I did that way, I, I did that way back, you know, with the LGBTQ issue, 
you know? What, what do you mean so it's, with that issue? Like, you know, wait, yeah, because I mean, I was a conservative evangelical pastor who preached that, you know, people who are gay or whatever were going to hell and it's all sin, right? Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the way in that process, for me, I obviously reevaluated all those things. And I really started to take seriously those doubts in my mind and about my stance on that, thinking, you know, wait a minute, maybe I'm wrong, right? So in the same way, you know, I think it's great when we can go to any issue spiritually or wherever and say, you know what? Hey, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm wrong about God. You know, maybe this idea that I'm always defending God and when bad things happen to good people, I just kind of give a defense that God's ways are not my ways, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I need to have the same process with that issue as I did with other issues. And I think I'm at a place now where I feel like I'm, I'm more secure in, in being able to do that. I don't need to fear that process. Like I may have feared it in the past. Yeah. Was there something specific in your life that made you question specifically what, what your views were on like the queer community? Because for for me, yeah. So for me, you know, just real quick is in my life, I I had a similar stance, right? I had this understanding that if you're gay, you're, you're rejecting God and, and whatever awaits you, awaits you judgment, damnation, whatever. And it was when my daughter um, started talking about she was bisexual and I kind of was like, you pick one or the other. You're not doing this bullshit. I'm by just one or the other, at least. Right. And she's like, <laughs> and I was like, you have no idea what you're doing. And my husband intervened and was like, what are you doing? This is your daughter. Like, what are you saying to her? Stop. And I kind of sat back like, what the hell? Why are you not on my side on this? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I don't believe in any God that would ever convict you to say something like this to your daughter. Mm. And I was like, and so then, you know, I'm, I am, I am naturally curious, right. I'm analytical and, and I'm a researcher and I'm an avid learner. And so what I do immediately is I'm like, is it okay to be gay and and love God? And right. And I come across all this, this new information I had never been exposed to. And I think I, I happened across like Greg Boyd and and Tim Keller had spoken on it, didn't really know what to do with their views. And then I I drifted over to like Richard Rohr and somehow I made it over to Eckhart Tolle right. or Toll. And then, you know, there were the, all these other different people who had all these other different ideas about relationships. Then I went, I don't think I understand. And so that mm. led me on a journey, but it was very direct and intimate for me that kind of cracked that open for me. It was my own daughter making yeah. me question my faith. So what was it for you that inspired you to raise these questions? Well, there's a couple of things. One is that I became friends with um, uh, a lesbian woman at a place that I had, was working at the time. And I had just, I had left church completely. Um, I had resigned and, you know, it was just really, and I, I had taken a, uh, just a, what do you mean, terrible word for it, just a regular job, right? And um, and this lady was lesbian and I you know, developed a friendship with her and, and realized, you know, that was for me a, a time when I realized whatever we have in the Bible about this homosexuality issue, 
that is not the same as this living, breathing in person in front of me. And so that started that. And then I just, you know, I think along that same time, I just grew really tired of pre-qualifying people for love, you know, just pre-qualifying and, you know, Mm, and always having to kind of, um, you know, restrict and boy, you don't want to be too loving. You don't want to give the wrong impression, you know, all that evangelical stuff that we were taught or, or that I was taught. And, um, so I just really got tired of that. And, um, and so that really kind of stirred up in me this, I, you know, the same process of just being honest. I'm, I'm not sure I got this right, you know? And so I just started to research it out and started to, you know, read books from the other side of the issue and, um, and came to the conclusion that I was wrong and that I just had it wrong. I mean, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, that, that was the only you know, for me, it was, you know, just a matter of, of just saying, I don't think I understood this correctly at all. Didn't have yeah. the truth about it. Yeah. 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 And what is truth, right? <laughs> the unanswered question. What is the truth? Um. So, yeah. And I think along my kind of transformation process too, I started realizing that I, most importantly, because I think within even evangelical and Baptist, right, there's still a lot of beauty and poetry and a lot of truth conveyed about Jesus and God. I mean, especially when I've bounced around through all the other religions and done, you know, theological studies and everything. It's like there is there is a pattern of truth revealed in so many different theologies and different denominations, right? And so it's just sometimes we misinterpret for ourselves and then kind of share that with other people and get the wrong idea because the the truth is it really does require a little bit of work to really understand even the bible right they give it to us and we're like read it you'll get it and we're like i have no idea about how to read this bible and how to interpret it and you know that's a clever way to confuse people And so we all have all of these different ideas. But so what I started to zero in on was, you know, and I'm a I'm a buffet believer. I pick and choose from whatever ideas are shared with me and go, that's good. I like that. Yep, that's my philosophy. I'm going to do that. So ultimately, at the root of it, I decided if it feels like it's divisive, if it feels like it's telling me to condemn somebody else or some other group, right? Or if the message is you're better than anybody who believes this or you're superior, those are the ideas I went. Those are the antithesis of God. God is about unity and and union and wholeness and oneness. And so I, I try to avoid any kind of speech or narrative that is that is divisive, right? anything. If you're trying to pit me against anybody, even against people who are pitting themselves against other people, I see that and go, disregard, disregard. disregard. And that's kind of been my journey right now. If it's div- if it's divisive, if it's disconnecting, right? Um, or dystopian, <laughs> I'm like, avoid the message and then move on. And, and ultimately spirituality is kind of a practice we're always developing, right? So kind of where you are right now talking about like, I, I'm still questioning and I'm still asking and trying to figure this out. That's kind of what spirituality is really is just kind of this ongoing process where 
maybe sometimes we are heavily researching and, and educating ourselves, but other times we're just experiencing it, right? And like, oh, there's love. There's God. Oh, the wind's blowing. There's God, right? And breaking it down and and becoming um, more in alignment with not articulating my spirituality, but just being in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what grace is brave is kind of your tagline. So what's well, that? Grace is bravely brave. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's your affirmation. That's your mantra. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a, a thing I've kind of started putting at most at the end of everything I write, kind of like a, I don't know what you'd call it. Just a, I don't know what the right word for the, for what it is. Um, but just kind of a, kind of a signature, yeah. kind of a signature thought, I guess. And really. Yeah. And what is grace is brave? Like, what does that mean to you? Well, there's a lot that that means really. Um, you know, I think, you know, grace to a lot of people is for sin. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. this is God's, you know, this is God's, you know, gloves that he puts on in order to be able to touch you. You know, grace is this thing that makes it okay for God to relate to you. And grace is what, you know, is, you know, God just looks at you and his default ideas that you're, you're, you know, you're bad, you're sin, all this kind of stuff. But grace is kind of the clothes God puts on in order to deal with you. So he doesn't get contaminated himself or whatever. And I think there's the idea that grace is for sin. You know, I'm just going to be gracious to this person, you know, because deep down in my mind, they're, you know, they're doing wrong, blah, blah, blah. And my grace, you know, is what, what does this, right? Well, there's a lot more in my mind to grace than that, for sure. You know, grace is not, grace is, is not, God's response to you, grace is what you have great in God. I mean, grace is what, you know, um, and it's not like this thing that's there because God and humans, you know, are like oil and water. It's grace is, is what is, is the essence of our union and communion with God and, and everything really. And so grace, you know, and, and the, the other issue for the, and so the bravery of grace is that you know it takes on a couple of things you know the bravery for example you know i feel that i'm graced with a relationship with god that to where there's no place mentally spiritually theologically i can go outside of god right so that grace gives me the bravery to raise some of the questions that we started to talk about early you know in our conversation that's the power of grace. Grace enables me to, you know, be able to be myself, you know, because, you know, grace is, is what you have. Grace is what you've been given. Grace is what you have in with and around you. And, and so, you know, God has graced, you know, me with who I am, right. And who I am as a person unique to, to, to me and only me. So the power of grace, the bravery of grace is to be yourself. You know, say, hey, listen, I'm I'm just going to do me, um, and that's all I'm responsible and all I'm required to do. And uh, so, there's a lot of, I mean, there's endless applications to all that. But I think it's it's you know, it's the you know, 
the bravery to, you know, to do a lot of things, knowing that you're, you're secure, right. You're, and knowing that everything that you need is within you. God has graced you with everything and you have all things, you know? Yeah. And so that's the power and the bravery of it is to, and even the bravery, you know, I'm kind of getting back to some of my Lutheranism, but, you know, Paul, I mean, not Paul, but uh, Martin Luther said, you know, that um, if you're going to sin, sin boldly, you know, so the bravery to be able to, to sin without completely feeling like God is going to beat the shit out of you um, is the bravery of grace. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a great attitude to have, but at the same time, you know, there's a grace to that that says, you know, no, 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 I can't, I'm so safe in a union and communion inseparably with God. And, and I'm so complete and whole and holy as a person that that gives me a bravery that um, is unstoppable in, in just about every application. That's kind of what that means. Awesome. Yeah. Well, in specifically to that point about, you know, being our identity, I think our identity is in such a crisis right now, individual identity, right? And I've come to this position too, in my relationship with God is that, you know, my mantra is I am enough as I am. That doesn't mean that I don't keep working on myself, but like I'm perfect and whole, right? And I think about that and having this acceptance of myself. And that's hard for a lot of people because, you know, especially with the media, we're convinced that we're never good enough. And there's always some kind of upgrade that we need in order to be like a part of something and to be like have value. And that message is not trumpeted enough and needs to be is that we are enough. And like, you're perfectly whole the way you are, like you're born and created perfectly the way God meant you to be. Right. And I think uh, tell this to women who are, you know, creating a hundred billion dollar plastic surgery industry because they can't accept themselves. Right. And it, it's such a struggle um, with the narratives, the comparative narratives out there today is that our identity is always in question. And when, when I got through, you know, my fundamental Christian experience, I kind of came to the root of that is that I didn't need to know certain verses or make certain pleas or be a part of a certain church or say the right thing in front of the the right community of people that might be connected to the church. I just kind of, I, I am enough as I am. I'm whole, I'm perfect. And I don't need to conform to keep up with social ideals. And, you know, that if we just delivered that message more than the, the disconnecting and divisive messages, I think depression would, you know, become almost obsolete because so much of depression is wrapped around denial of acceptance of self. Right. And, and this confusing idea that we are separate, uh, separate from God. And, and, that's, and that's where I think, you know, the grace stuff really sometimes the way people understand grace is not helpful because if I think that God is just gracious at me, it's almost like tolerance, you know, God just kind of tolerates me. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm going to forgive you and pat you on your back and it's, it's grace. And, and I'm just going to be gracious to you. And, but 
I think for me, grace is more about not, it's not that <clears throat> grace isn't what saves us. Grace is the reality that we already are. Right. So those are big distinctions to me in my mind, you know, for where I'm at is that, you know, you know, the song amazing grace, you know, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found for me. Grace is not that message. The message oh, of yeah. grace is the message of grace is that you are, there's never been a time when you weren't safe and secure and whole and holy and all those things. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of, you know, what I try to get across in, you know, in my, in some of my writing is that aspect of grace and kind of trying to take grace out of this transactional thing that we have with God. Right. Yeah. And bring it into really it's not a transactional thing we have it's the essence of what we already have if that makes sense at all <laughs> yeah totally totally agree i and you know that's kind of what luther was talking about was the transactional relationship people were creating with the church and with god right and i mean i think that's what a lot of people are struggling with now not only a, that kind of relationship with god or their church but so many relationships are struggling from that transactional expectation as well. And I, I, you know, consumerism and materialism, I think will influence yeah. that for us significantly. Yeah. And then of course, all of these expectations that we're allowed to carry on, right. Where we can have all these high demands of high value and superiority and relationships and our partners. And we kind of have made relationships more business transactions and the same can be said for church right churches just become business well, transactions in in many degrees but i will say there there still are some churches that you know aren't like that right i think about the rural churches especially where i live i live in a very small town in all these little small towns i think church is still a community and a gathering spot for a lot of people and so I kind of understand the need and necessity of church and gathering for social inclusion. Um, but it does become problematic when it stipulates these transactional bargain systems within their establishments. And it's kind of like what's going on with politics almost is like pay to play. And yeah, money really infiltrates, I think, a lot of, of everyday life, unfortunately. Church was yeah. all about money, right? You know, so many churches are all about money. Mega churches, kind of sometimes, yeah. I would be like so disgusted by the amount of money that goes in and out of mega churches. And I'm like, meanwhile, yeah. your parishioners can barely put food on the table. You know, it's That's like, true. so yeah. There's there's That's both, true. right? There's good and bad yeah. in all pockets of all of these different systems that we participate in. Definitely, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And that's where like the tool of discernment is just really important, I think, to, so that you can really give ear, ears to hear and eyes to see you kind of start seeing. I think that's kind of what happened to me is I, I stripped away those those rose colored lenses and I could start seeing, you know, and in even, you know, different um, speakers and theologians and and even all of those um what was it like Ravi Zacharias and Tim Keller and and all of them who like to be a performative and debating and argumentative about their God and their Christianity. And it kind of 
it's like, it's not spiritual anymore. It's systemic and, and scientific and it's turned into so many different things, you know, and at the root, it's just about relationship with God. Anyway, that's what I think. What's the you? Well, I don't, I don't think there is anything you know, I wrote one post called there's no such thing as a relationship with God. Oh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think there is a relationship with God. I, I, I don't like that word for sure. Cause that moment you put in a relationship, that means there's a certain separation, right? You can't, I mean, hmm. so there's a certain distance there, the relationship, because, you know, if, if I have a relationship between this and this, there's a relationship because there's two separate things and there's a, there's some form of, of disconnect there. And, you know, relationship, particularly in our framework, as you've pointed out, is, is always transactional to some degree, right? It's give and take. Well, not and, always. It, it, I Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't, you know, and I, I don't see, you know, that there's a relationship with God. It's, you know, particularly in, in terms of how Christianity has spun that, you know, where God's here and we're there and there's this divide and Jesus, you know, bridges the gap and, you know, there's a, well, there's a God's, there's a God sized hole in your heart and blah, blah, blah. You know, I just don't, I don't, I personally don't see it that way. I think we have full union and communion with God and that has always been and always will be. And that's what we've been graced with. And so I don't have a relationship with God. I have a union and a communion with that. So there's never, ever been a disconnect. There's never been um, a distance. There is only union and communion. That's how I kind of see it. Hmm. Yeah. I I guess if you define relationship that way. Yeah. Um, I get for me and, and I'm a relationship coach, so I, I might have a different version of relationship, but relationship is about a two-ness to a oneness, really. And and we're not in relationship with everybody, right? Like I'm not in a relationship with my neighbor. I just know my neighbor. But relationship for me is when it becomes more intimate, when the five senses are incorporated, right? When I can see someone, I can smell them, I can touch them, I can taste them if I want to, I can hear them. They're in proximity to me. That's what relationship is. And but it kind of is a union and a communion. Um, you know, marriage is one of the most sacred relationships. And then there's also the importance of maintaining a relationship with yourself. And really for relationship, that's just about caring for another person. So I have a relationship with myself and that I care about myself. I have a relationship with my husband and that I care about him and that we work as, as a oneness, right? The word differentiated We're two separate entities, obviously. Um, but yeah, we kind of dance in a union or a communion with each other. And the same with my children and, and my friends, right? I have these different relationships. Um, I, so I don't know, I guess tomato, tomato. To me, it seems kind of right. like the same thing. A union with God is a relationship with God. I have a union with myself, but I also, you know, have to do the things of a relationship by taking care of myself. Um, but I agree we're not separate from God. Um, God is, is within all. Um, and, and ultimately I see that Jesus was trying to show people like, no, like the father and I are one that's, that's me and the, the inner divinity. So yes, I am God, but so are you. Right. And so that's, and I've even heard Morgan Freeman say that like, but I am God, we're not separate. So to that, I agree. Yeah. We're totally not separate from God. And, and I appreciate when we can acknowledge that sometimes it's very difficult. Like, I'm not going to lie. I remember 
I had a life coach who was like, just say, I am God. I'm like, you know, that's a struggle for me. I'm going to have to work up to this. But eventually I did because it's like a truth you almost know, but you're scared to admit because there have been so many programs convincing you that God is separate and above and higher than you. And so, yeah, for me, that was kind of like this full immersion and embracing of my own divinity was when I was able to be like, I am God and believe it. And that's, yeah, if we all get there, but there is such a, there's such a growing movement to do everything to cancel out all of Christianity. And that has me concerned deeply, um, you know, I understand it's important to call out the bad behavior of churches and of individuals who taint and manipulate, you know, Christianity. Um, but it it's kind of scary. Just it's the gentle erosion of our religious and spiritual rights in this country is kind of under attack. You know, I'm hearing more and more about schools are banning Bibles. And I'm like, but it's a book, but it's a book. We're banning Bibles. And so to a degree that concerns me because, you know, this this country was founded and 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 framed around Christian ideals. And now it's like, eh, it doesn't mean anything. And it's it's that's concerning that people don't have the choice to practice. What do you think about that? Well, I, I don't agree that the country was founded on the Bible or Christian, maybe some Christians, but not all the founding fathers were Christians by any stretch of the imagination. But well, in well, greatly Garland, influenced and, by Christianity and Christian well, yeah, principles. Well, there's, a lot of influence. there's a lot of influences uh, that came into things. And I think that, you know, if you're going to ban um, a book for having sexually suggested material or for other things, and you have to ban the Bible Ooh, because the Bible the is same, full though. of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, they are. If yeah. they're a book, you know, I don't see the Bible. I homeschool, being... so I have a different view about that. But yeah. the yeah, I, the sexually the graphic Bible. books in school is a bit much for children. It's it's a bit it's much kind of perverted. It's, it's, well, but you may have not understood the spiritual trauma of that comes out of evangelicalism with people mm. being taught some of these stories in the Bible about you know genocide and babies being I don't thrown think every and, evangelical suffers from trauma though I mean I didn't like, say evangelical I said that there is spiritual trauma that some people who are have come out of evangelicalism sure. told stories like that sure and so and that comes straight out of the bible that I mean there's no other source from that and so yeah. even the idea to say that the bible is the perfect word of god is 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 something that can a person can believe, but that's not a, I mean, that's not something that should be publicly taught as if it's the truth. That that can be something that you study. Well, I think the ban is actually on like individual students bringing Bibles. Like they're not allowed to even bring their own Bible to school. If you're going to allow something like Florida, where a book was taken out of the classroom that contained the poem that was cited at Biden's inauguration, Okay, that doesn't have anything terrible in it at all, right? And so you're going to ban that book, but then you're going to keep a Bible that has terrible things where, you know, uh, there's rape and all kinds of stuff like that. And you're going to say, well, that's just fine because that's the perfect word of God and it's different. Well, it's not different to a Muslim. It's not different to a uh, an atheist. It's not different 
to a Hindu, you know, that's it, just mm. because it means something to a Christian doesn't mean that it's going to mean something to everyone else. So to say that one form of, of sexual, you know, promiscuity or something that you would object to in one book is different just because it's in the Bible, I think is a terrible thing to say. Well, uh, so the article that I was reading was just about how a student was banned from bringing a Bible to school. Um, one, the Bible isn't illustrated. And some of these books are very graphically illustrated. And I, you know, I'm a well, you'd mom. You'd have to show me one. You'd have to show me um, one. I, oh, dude, I will. I totally will. There's actually a really disgusting that, book on Amazon was, right now. So what was illustrative that was bad about? Okay, so could uh, I finish my point? Of- could I finish my point? Thanks. So illustration, graphic illustration for like elementary school kids on sex is basically giving them like comic book porn. And as a mom and a sex and relationship coach, I think there's a limit. And a kid bringing in their own Bible to maybe read on study hall versus an, an entire school, like presenting a graphic comic book porn book to kids that's a little different you know yeah i'd have to see and, that oh, oh I mean, okay I, I just sure. have, i've never seen i've never seen that oh and well i i've actually sure, found I'm the sure books on not, amazon they're pretty when gross I, when I, when I see the so i'll send you the links banned. if you're interested if yeah, you if you really absolutely. I don't, but that's not yeah. all the books that are being banned not all the books well, that are being banned I don't, illustrated. I don't think any book should be banned but i don't think children should be given porn um, well, who, who you know, and I'm that, not opposed to porn. Saying, I'm not who, opposed who, to porn. I, who, I highly support ethical educational porn. porn. I'm, so I'm not anti-porn, children should, should but children porn. shouldn't have access to porn from their public who, schools. Who's saying that they should? Who's, well, who, but who's it's, saying, okay, sir, I've seen the books. That, okay, stop, please. I've seen the books that are being distributed at certain schools across the country. I've seen them, right? Because I want to know what people are talking about before I judge it. So I've seen them, right? You can just click on Amazon and type in the title of the books that all of these PTAs talk about, and you can see graphic illustrations. So I've so seen that. So I, I've seen it with my own eyes is what I'm saying. Well, I think that's different. And anyone who's taken Art 101 would see the difference. So what I'm saying is these but books are banned. a bit. So banned. I don't think books should be banned, but I don't think that children like 12 and under should have any kind of like school access presentation to graphic images like that i think sex education after the age of 12 is something the school should talk about with the parents and not exclude them um but that's but, not all that's but being if banned they, from schools and children's i don't know countries. about all the other stuff i've heard about the bible being banned and i've seen the books that ptas but, are getting upset talking, about that schools are actually not banning but parents want banned ultimately banning books publicly like banning a certain book from being able to be purchased on amazon or a public library just totally no but we're talking about kids and 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 and, and schools and yeah We've got sex trafficking. We've got pedophilia on the rise, right? We've got politicians that are pedophiles. So I think it's important to remember how sacred sex is and to not just flippantly and pornographically distribute images to children and and make fun of it and 
and normalize it for really children. I would love to see these books that you're talking about. Are you a dad? I have, I have four kids. Okay. Do you let them look at porn? Are you kidding me? You're asking I, me I'm, that question. I'm just asking yes or no. So you- Yes no, or no. Okay. Would you let their school show them porn if they put it in sex ed? Uh, I'm, I have a, I have a yes or no, no, because, but, okay. Yeah. So we agree. We agree. Children. What are we calling porn? Come yeah, on. Yeah, we I'd agree like that we don't show porn to kids. That's all I'm trying to, whoop, that's all I'm trying to do here. Draw an agreement here. Porn is yes, not for but, children. But, yes. But, but your definition of porn could be just a oh, sunshine. Then ask me my definition of porn. Sure. Ask well, me. That's what I just was trying to find out. Okay. Anything that explicitly depicts sex, gratification, and pleasure. Yeah. Okay. So you, I, like I said, I would love to see these books that you're talking about that are being put in elementary school for kids. I don't think a, a 10 year old should learn what a fellatio is though. Okay. So I've seen the books. I've okay, looked at them. Have you, have you, have you, so no, you're making an argument from an ignorant place right now, sir. I'm just no, saying, I'm not... I've seen the books. Have you? No, I haven't seen it, but here I am defending them and criticizing okay, but, you. But, you haven't even seen it. Okay. What you're saying to me is that those are the only okay. books being banned. Change of topic. How about this? Um, this one actually really made it difficult for me to want to do this interview. Was the video you said, if you're friends with Trump supporting Christians, don't debate them. Focus on their hate. Focus on their self-centeredness. Focus on their unwillingness to love their neighbor. Focus on their sin. I, so this has been your I am a Trump supporting Christian. This is so why we're. Do you want to? This is why okay, so this you didn't even know it until we, I said it. Don't do that. I have been very been no. From, from the dude, you like came out been, with like total regurgitated rhetoric and didn't even listen to me. Well, okay, I think I'm so, kind of done with this interview because I'm I can so tell glad. I did not escape you. I, mean, I you, said, I, I want mean, to ask you about this mean, video you just did. Me. This video you did about Trump and supporting do Christians. Not, do not authorize this to so me. So I support Trump. Well, now you're yeah. telling me I can't post the podcast. No, I'm just saying that I'm very disappointed that you would bait I'm, and switch me. And I, I baited and were. switched you. I do yeah, my diligent homework. This is supposed to be like a book. This is supposed to be a conversation about my my book and so forth. And your TikToks are public and I did my research. Yeah. You're so, right. I should is, have read, I should is, have looked at all of your TikToks before I invited you on, because if I did, I might've not. But the thing is, is my podcast is dedicated to considering all perspectives, even the ones I disagree with. So I'm yeah, willing to yeah. take someone who's disconnected and divided and has divisive messages like you do and bring them on my wow. podcast and have wow. a conversation with them. So really? I'm, I support Trump right now. I've never voted for yeah, him, but yeah. I will. And I identify as Christian. It's also my maiden yeah. name. So I'm, do you want to focus on my hate? I think I'm done with this conversation. That's okay. what I think. Okay. How about, do you dislike being white? Okay. Thank you. Enjoy your day, sir. Thank you. Thank you.